Hello and welcome. You're listening to a brand new episode of Mental Illness, Mental Brilliance. I am T. Erica, your host, and we're exploring the correlation between mental health and personal success. Do mental health issues actually hinder you from achieving personal success? Hmm, let's explore it together. Today, I had a very interesting conversation with a young man by the name of David. David had worked in the tech industry for more than two decades, which gave him the opportunity to work with thousands of different personalities, including those that some perceive as mentally ill. Well, after learning to create progress with every single personality type, David no longer believes in the term mental illness. He's created something called the foresight model. It's a collaborative communication model that allows him to identify the issues that hinder progressive communication, address it, eliminate it, and move forward to reach a common goal. Can you imagine? Well, I spoke with David about the foresight model early today, so I'm going to let him explain it in his own words. We've had some exchanges. I've learned a little bit about your business, but for everybody who's listening, please share why you believe that you have some great insights on the topic of mental health and personal success. How are you connected to our topic? Yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty interesting. I, I started developing software on the web platform about 24 years ago. So I was really, you know, in on it early. And I just kind of did my thing. And about, you know, five or six years into it, I realized from getting feedback from other people that I was really good at what I did. And the main reason I found out for that wasn't necessarily my technical acumen, but was more the project management aspect that I brought to it. And that really required me, you know, being a PM for a sort of development project is kind of a, a tricky task because you need to work with a bunch of different people, a, a whole variety of spectrum. You know, some people are on the executive side, some people are staff line level, and none of them report to you. So you really don't have the authority to, to make people work with you, you know? So you have to figure out in, in very creative ways sometimes how to get them to collaborate. And well, as what, does result, that have to do? what does that have to do with mental health? I don't understand. Well, because you're going to get all these, you know, different personality types, you know? I, I can't be concerned about, you know, uh, oh, this person is difficult to work with and they're challenging or they're not getting me work for some reason. I just need to figure out how to be successful. No so matter what person I'm working with and, and whatever, you know, things they may bring to the equation, which can be, which will often be mental health issues, I need to figure out how to work with them so that we can still, you know, achieve what we need to do with our project. Oh, so you're saying that through all of these people you're consulting with and you're helping on the tech side and also the project management side, um, you're noting that some of them have some issues with communicating with the world and with others? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, there's the whole spectrum. And, you know, that's kind of the thing. You know, we we tend to look at things in kind of like a monolithic, you know, way, which is, you know, like a black or white. But really, you know, things are on a spectrum, you know. So so some people are really good at communicating and some people are really bad and, and everybody pretty much falls somewhere in between on a spectrum. So, I, you know, I, I first of all, you know, besides the fact that I really hate the whole concept of mental illness, I, I, I kind of look at it more as, you know, some people are more challenged with the behaviors than others, and it's on a spectrum. And regardless of where they're at, you know, whether, you know, they feel that they have a mental illness or they don't, it's more a question of how do you work with them to be successful rather than getting hung up on the labels and kind of where they're coming from. Oh, so you don't believe that we should have mental 
illness labels, mental disorder labels at all. No, I, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's this kind of odd little, you know, situation that we've created in our, in our current world, which is we have these like discrete, you know, kind of labels that are associated with behaviors. And, you know, that doesn't really make sense for me from a behavior standpoint. To me, it's more on a spectrum. You know, you, you have some people who may be, you know, a little difficult to work with and pe- people who may be, you know, really difficult to work with. So I see it on a scale maybe from zero to 100 rather than kind of like these little pockets that the mental health industry tends to, you know, drive with their labels. What do you think would happen if we didn't have these labels? How would it impact the way people perceive themselves? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, first of all, I think it would be tremendously helpful because, you know, there's, you know, to me, I think it's a given that there's a huge stigma associated with mental health. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, this, this kind of, you know, you're weak, you have something wrong with you. And, you know, starting off with that, you know, kind of prerequisite is to me a really bad way to solve a problem of, oh, how do we work together? How, how do we figure out how our behaviors can match so that we're productive? Oh, I see what you're saying, because if you're starting off with a label and the automatic expectation that this person is not going to be able to mentally complete this properly, it, it creates a barrier from the beginning. Yeah, for sure. You know, like if, if you know, if, if someone has like, you know, I, it, it's very easy for someone to say, oh, you know, you have bipolar, you have borderline or, or whatever it is, that person or, or depressed or anxious that that's what's going on here. And rather than, you know, you kind of get hung up on, you know, that's your problem versus, hey, what do we need to do in order to be successful? Ooh. Well, what do we need to do in order to be successful? You mentioned before, you know, when we were talking that you had a solution or some kind of remedy or what is it that you think, how would you correct society's interpretation of mental illness and mental disorder? Oh, you know, basically, I, I kind of look at it as we have two different processes that we do at, that, that drive our behavior. And uh, from the foresight perspective, I call it your self-esteem and your self-confidence. Your self-esteem is how you look at the past and your self-confidence is how you look at the future. When you have self-esteem issues, our you know, traditional mental health care model says you, you're depressive. And when you have self-confidence issues, again, the, the, you know, our system today says you have uh, anxiety issues. So rather than looking at them from, you know, hey, this is a label and, and this is your problem, I say, okay, what is leading to that person? What is that leading that person to have these issues in either in self-esteem or self-confidence? So with, with self-esteem, it's, a, okay, this person is kind of questioning, you know, who they are, how they value themselves, do I like them, and so on. So when I see, you know, problems associated with working with them, I'm figuring out, okay, I need to let this person know that I do like them and I do value them. So if anything that I'm doing or saying is being interpreted as by them as otherwise, I figure out how to correct it, right? To me, I look at it as communication is something that I need to do with them, not something that they need to hear, right? So if I'm not communicating in such a way that is getting through to them, then I need to adapt how I communicate with them, right? Wow. So, yeah. Wait a minute. So you've literally, wow, you've literally compartmentalized and you're able to look at a person you're about to have a relationship with professionally, see what their mental or emotional needs are, give them those things to satisfy them so that you can continue a, a working relationship that's progressive. Correct. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. How amazing is that? 
Well, I, I can tell you that it works out really well. You know, when, when you, you know, one of my, you know, big phrases, do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? And I want to be successful. That, that's kind of my goal. And when you look at it from that perspective, that really changes the whole di- dynamic of how you interact with someone. Wow. How long did it take you to figure this, these things out? Like, did you fumble at the beginning when you started working with people and what led you to decide this is something that needs to be created, this is something that needs to be done? Well, you, you, you know what the, the funny thing is, is that it's always been a natural aspect of, of how I operate. And, and I mean, from like a really you know early age. I mean, I remember in high school and, and even before, you know, looking at other people and seeing that they were kind of stuck on the emotion of what they were feeling. And I'm like, well, I don't feel like that. And, and oh, you know, how can I connect with this person, even though they're kind of getting stuck on an emotion? Um, so, you know, it, it was in, in its, you know, genesis, it was, it's been around for decades for me. But what I've done more recently, I've just really kind of been able to formulate the algorithm. So now it's something that I can more concrete than I can explain to other people and, you know, use it as part of the dialogue. And that's one of the key things is that, you know, to me, it's not this like insidious brain reading skill that I have. I'm very transparent about the whole process. When I recognize that someone has self-esteem issues, I will say to them, hey, you know, you seem to have, you know, issues valuing yourself and, you know, and yeah. How do it's, they respond to that from a, a in a professional environment? I don't know if I want some guy I'm working with coming to say you have problems valuing yourself. I'll say what? Excuse me. What yeah, I, I mean you're you're, you're not. I, I'm not typically saying that in, in you know in kind of a you know a pejorative sense and, and <laughs> specifically like that. But it's more like you know uh, you know I, I would say to you, hey, you know you're uh, I don't know uh, we're going over some you know, operation and you are the subject matter expert, right? And you're kind mm-hmm. of questioning, you know, your um, your knowledge of that subject matter, right? You're like, oh, hey, you know, I kind of don't, you know, think I'm really a, the, good, the right person to talk to, right? Maybe you should talk to someone else in the department. And then I'll go ahead and ask you some questions and it'll become evident to me that how you're assessing your own skill set is kind of on the negative side, right? So what I'll start to do is, is oh. in kind of like a nurturing fashion and say, hey, look, it's very clear to me, and and you know, I've I've worked with a bunch of people. And so SMEs are a subject matter expert. We refer to them as SMEs, right? As a as the acronym. <laughs> as a subject matter expert, you're really good at what you do. In fact, I would argue that you're probably one of the better persons to talk to in the department. The irony is that when you kind of question the job that you do, you actually do it better because you're looking to work harder. So you know, I'll, I'll do kind of building up like that, and so I'll spe- I'll speak specifically to the problem at hand, which is, hey, you're questioning, you know, what your knowledge is of, of what you do. I, trust me, I I can tell you that it's spot on, and you're the person I want to talk to. So you know, it's it's not so saying, hey, you have a self esteem issue per se, but it's really talking about the specific issue that they're you know maybe struggling with. First, we have to identify what the baseline is. Then we can talk about getting people to that baseline. But right now, it's, it's kind of unfair to say people need therapy because they, they never knew that they needed to be a certain way, right? Wow, you're right. You're right. Who's the judge to say how they're supposed to be and then how dare they walk up to someone else and say, hey, you're wrong. You need to change. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, we have no definition of like what, uh, and, and that's part of, you know, foresight is really an all-inclusive package. 
it's, it's pretty simple. It says, as adults, we need to be happy and independent. And it explains this whole self-esteem and self-confidence concept and ties that into that. And if you can be those two things, then, you know, life is going to be good. Your, your quality of life will be determined by your level of self-esteem and self-confidence. But how does foresight actually help the individual? Because in, in my mind, what you're saying is um, the employer or the manager, for the sake of his company and his business goals, he needs to learn how to talk to his employees and recognize, recognize their inadequacies or any limitations that will um, prevent him from achieving his capitalistic goals. What are right. you doing for the human? Yeah, there, there, there's, well, you know, it, foresight can be implemented any number of ways, but, but, you know, typically in the business setting, there's, there's two things. There's one, what are the, and, and, you know, self-confidence and self-esteem issues both have a, an emotional root, right? And it's really recognizing what those emotional roots are, right? So mm-hmm. with a manager, you're, you know, you're kind of identifying what they are in the other person, and then you're complimenting them in such a way so that you can be productive with this, with your report, right? As a manager, though, you also need to recognize what your own limitations might be. So there's kind of this, you know, double-edged sword, which is, or I should say, a dual benefits is a much better way of saying it, which is that, hey, you know, how can I improve my interactions with other people and how can I work on myself? So it's, it's both uh, building others as well as building yourself at the same time. Well, at first I thought that you were um, critical of the mental health industry, and in, in a way you are, but actually you're joining the mental health industry by offering an alternative. Where can we go to read more about your work? How can we contact you? Uh, yeah, I have a website. Uh, it's foresightmodel.com, and that's the number four site, S-I-G-H-T, model.com. Um, and that's where the, you know, the, the bulk of my content is. I am on Twitter and LinkedIn and I'm, you know, often randomly posting stuff on there, kind of commenting on, you know, events of the day, just kind of approaches to work in general. But I would say the bulk of my content is on the website. Well, that is amazing. And I'm so glad I got a chance to speak with you today, Dave. Yeah. And I appreciate your having an interest and, and really, you know, being proactive enough to actually, you know, look at new ideas. And that that's kind of the you know, what I'm looking to in general bring. I'm, I'm looking to change the discussion, how people look at things and, and how they approach work. Because, you know, ironically, I see a lot of, you know, adversarial stuff going on at work, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think if we can come up with a more cohesive and collaborative approach that everyone will be the better for it. You're listening to Mental Illness mental brilliance. I am T. Erica. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I'll talk to you soon.